and greetings to you who are here in person and also to our online congregation. This morning, our reading is taken from the Gospel of Mark. We have uh, Advent according to Mark, and this is Mark's account as he starts off his Gospel and relates to us the Advent story. So let us listen to these words. The beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. As it is written in the prophet Isaiah, See, I'm sending my messenger ahead of you, who will prepare your way. The voice of one calling out in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. John, the baptizer, appeared in the wilderness, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And people from the whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem were going out to him and were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel's hair, with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. He proclaimed, The one who is more powerful than I is coming after me. I am not worthy to stoop down to untie the thong on his sandals. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. May God add his blessings to the reading and meditation of his word. Let us join in prayer. Let us pray. O Lord, as we come before you and ponder on these words of Mark, would you speak to us and teach us what it means to receive you and have your advent in our hearts and in our lives. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We are into our second Sunday in Advent. And Advent comes from the Latin word coming or arrival, referring to Jesus his first coming 2,000 years ago. But today we think of Advent also in a spiritual way of the coming of Jesus into our hearts and into our lives as we receive him as our Lord, as our Saviour. But what is Advent around here? Think about what messages come out daily when we look at the papers or look at the advertisements. Many pictures seem to obscure the centrality of Christ during the Christmas season. There are so many messages that we receive that seem to omit the coming of Jesus to our hearts. So here in Mark, as he begins his gospel, he relates to us how this is the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Not just of his coming as a baby, but his coming to lay down his life for us so that we can find forgiveness of sins, pardon, and also come to the Father in peace with him. So here, the word good news is actually a martial or military term. Originally, it was to describe a report of victory being carried from the battlefield. So that's what good news, gospel, or glad tidings mean in its original form. 
So we see here mentioned in the, the Old Testament how when the Philistines routed the Israelite army, they were proclaiming the gospel, the good news amongst their people. Or when David's army routed their enemy, the runner was saying, let me carry the gospel to the king, carry good tidings, carry the good news to him. So originally, when we hear of this word, it sounds as though it is a word that generates excitement, jubilation, great expectations of something positive that is happening. Here in the context of what Mark relates with us, he uses this to tell us that it is the good news that God comes for us. He says this is the good news of the Christ. And you must imagine the nation and the people at this time felt they were God-forsaken. They were under the oppression of superpowers for centuries. First, under Assyria, they lost their king, they lost their kingdom. That was at least seven centuries before. After the Assyrian Empire came the Babylonian Empire, and after that came the Persians, and after that, Greece, under Alexander the Great, came and conquered this area. And lastly, Rome conquered them. So for years, they felt forsaken by God, they felt they were oppressed. Suddenly, this martial news, so to speak, a victory news about a Christ coming. They must have thought this means liberation, this means giving us back the superpower status we had under the empire of David or Solomon. Next, they were a forgotten people. They felt that God had forgotten about them. It was the years scholars called the Silent 400. This was 400-year period where it seemed God was distant from them. They received no prophetic word and they concluded the scriptures of the Old Testament. It was as if there is nothing more to add and they compiled the canon of the Old Testament. And suddenly, it is as if there is an awakening. Suddenly, it is as if God is now leading the church into the world once more. God has not forgotten us. He comes for us with the news of the Messiah, the long-awaited Christ, with the news of Herod, and this was in the tradition of the kings of those days. They never came, come immediately. They always sent forerunners and heralds ahead of them to the cities and the towns. So like the form of John the Baptist, a herald for the coming king, prophecies were being fulfilled there were stories about angel visitation, magi coming from the east, dreams and signs and wonders that followed. People were getting excited. Sometimes in the martial or military way. But we see that Isaiah has also used this term, not in the military way, but in a spiritual way, he talked about God's rule. He used this same word of gospel and good news and glad tidings, but he used it in the sense of God bringing peace, 
God bringing His salvation and the rule of God in a spiritual sense. And so as we think about the gospel of Christ, it is more about God's rule in our hearts, how we turn our lives to God, so that the, the challenge, the voice crying in the wilderness of prepare the way of the Lord isn't about bearing arms, isn't about forming an army, isn't about overthrowing your enemy. It is indeed about turning of our hearts to the Lord. So John's message was of repentance, not to arms, but to repentance. How we are to turn around and change from our evil and sinful ways. How we are to take steps to change, repent. And that step of baptism that he did with them was a very dramatic step. How it, it was in their minds they were crossing from the wilderness into the river Jordan and the next is a promised land. And that's why he chose the river Jordan for their baptism. They were to die to their old 40 years in the wilderness and now fulfill their lives in the promised land, the land of their rest. So that was baptism for them, a very dramatic step for all of them. And today when we think about God coming for us, think of it as how we may prepare our hearts in advance, reception of God into our lives, reception of Jesus into our lives. And this is the opportunity to receive Christ at Advent, that God comes for us and our preparation is to open our hearts to Him. In the same way, perhaps, to also help our friends in their Advent, we have given you challenge about praying for five persons to invite them for Alpha 2024, or to invite them for our special Christmas services and events during this season. Opportunities for us to bring someone so that they too may experience Advent in their hearts, the coming of the Messiah. Secondly, it is also victorious, triumphant news that God is with us. John uh, Mark relates that it is the good news about the Son of God. The Son of God, the second person in the Trinity. God coming to us as God the Son. He comes to us. God with us. And this is how Mark explains it. How John the Baptist in his preaching and proclamation says, you know the one coming after me is more powerful than I am. He is so powerful and he is so important, I am unworthy even to be his slave. I cannot even touch his sandals. Referring to him as the Son of God. And in that tradition, no one can confer the Holy Spirit except Almighty God. And he says, I can only do baptism with water. He does it with the Holy Spirit upon you. And they understood this message proclaimed by John as only Almighty God can confer the Holy Spirit. So this is John's description of God with us. Over in Matthew, 
in his Advent story, he says that we shall call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. Taken from a passage in Isaiah, who describes about how Emmanuel stands for God is with us. And John's Gospel, his account of the Advent, John starts with, in the beginning, as if to remind us of the first line of Genesis. In the beginning, drawing us even to creation story, was the Word. How the Greeks imagined Logos, the Word, to be like a life force, a supreme being. And he says that Word was with God, that Word was God. And verse 14, he says, Now the Word became flesh and made his dwelling amongst us. Referring to the coming of Jesus. Jesus is God becoming man and walking among us. Many of us ask the question, How do I know God? Is it possible for me to understand what God is like? Jesus says, Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. In Jesus, God has provided a human face for us to recognize. We ask, God, are you angry? God, are you disappointed in me? Well, look at Jesus, how he lived his life, how he is the embodiment of love, how by his nature he shows us grace of God and his teaching in his words and by his actions dying on the cross for us. So if we understand Jesus, we understand what God is like. We remember the hymn writer who reminds us that in Jesus, we have a friend. Someone who has experienced and knows our sorrows, our pain, our human trials. And thus, we know he understands us and we can bring everything to the Lord in prayer, coming into a relationship with him because God comes to be with us. And it is also triumphant, victorious news that is brought when he talks about the gospel that God goes ahead of us. How does Mark begin his story of Advent, Mark begins with, as it is written in the prophet Isaiah. He goes back. He is ahead of you. He goes back into passages of Isaiah, passages from Exodus, passages from Malachi. He doesn't even refer to John the Baptist. He says it is even before John the Baptist's time how God was already at work. Isaiah, about 7th century BC, Exodus, maybe 12th centuries BC, and Malachi, about 4 centuries BC. God was already at work ahead of us in the preparation of the coming of his Messiah. Sometimes people think that the advent is like an afterthought of God as if an earlier plan of salvation of the Lord just went wrong because of people's sinfulness or stiff neck. 
And therefore, in the last days, God had to send Jesus to us. No, it is actually a continuation of God's plan and purpose from long ago, referring to Exodus, referring to Isaiah, referring to Malachi. So that when Jesus came, Jesus says, I am the fulfillment of the law and the prophets. They had been referring to me, even as Moses had his writing, and Moses were teaching about all this. In our Methodist circles, we often remind ourselves about this term called prevenient grace. That God goes ahead of of us and grace was at work even before our advent, before Christ comes into my heart, God has already been at work. We call this prevenient grace, God's mercies, God's grace, which precedes and prepares us for the advent, His coming into my heart, into our heart. And I can think about different pictures of prevenient grace in our lives, but in my life, let me share with you that I came from a non-Christian home, a non-Christian background. And Christianity was far from our vocabulary. But the prevenient grace of God sent missionaries to our city, to our country, and founded mission schools. And I was sent to a mission school to be educated. It was there in the mission school that I heard stories of Jesus, heard hymns and sang hymns, enjoyed the hymns, and also... I had all the devotion in chapel. It was also the prevenient grace of God that many years ago there was the founding of the Boys' Brigade in United Kingdom and how it was brought to Singapore. And I was enrolled into the Boys' Brigade. My parents required me to join a uniform group and put me in the Boys' Brigade. And it was in the Boys' Brigade and in the schools that I had nurturing, cultivation of my life, of my soul, and education, development, and finally through the Boys' Brigade, receiving my first advent, Jesus Christ coming into my heart as my Lord and Saviour. You too can appreciate how God's prevenient grace was at work way before you said the sinner's prayer or received him into your life. Paul relates it this way. He says, God has shown his love for us. He wrote to the Romans of that time, while you were still sinners, Christ died for us. While you had your back against God, while you were in your evil ways, while you were blaspheming and cursing God, God has already sent his son to die on the cross to save you. What more for us today, we think about before we were yet sinners, before we committed our first sin, 2,000 years before, Christ had already paid that price and opened the way so that we can come to Him, forgiven of our sins, pardoned and receive life and become a child of God. So at Advent, we remember that God has been at work ahead of us. He has shown His mercy and grace in our lives. Let us not take this for granted. Where we are today, 
to know that His prevenient grace had been at work so that we can have the advent of Christ in our hearts. Let us not delay. So when we think about advent according to Mark, they are all this, that martial military news, news of victory, of triumph, that God comes for us. Not to bear arms, but He comes for us and we are to repent and to receive Him as Saviour and Lord. God is with us in the sense that He came among us and understands us. He is Emmanuel. We light the candle for peace. And when we think about Emmanuel, we think about God bringing peace. The peace of knowing that He came to be with us. And God goes ahead of us with His prevenient grace. He has already prepared and opened the way so that we just need to recognize and come to Him. Max Lucado in his book, No Wonder They Call Him Saviour, relates the story about a single mother, Maria, taking care of her daughter, Christina. Single mother, Maria, worked as a maid, and in their humble dwelling, she made it as comfortable as possible for Christina in her growing up years. Now Christina is reaching her later teens, and Maria felt that soon after school, she can start work and maybe even start a family, and life would be easier for both of them. However, this teenager has other plans. She often spoke about going to the city. She noticed the glitter of the city and always dreamed of trading her dusty neighbourhood for the excitement of city life. All those wrecks to riches stories. Now this thought and suggestion always horrified Maria and she was quick to correct her daughter quick to tell her the harshness of the city streets and that she knows nobody there. She said, people don't know you there. It is difficult to find jobs and life is cruel in the city. You won't know what to do when you get there. But Maria was aware what Christina would have to do or resort to do if she went there to live, do for a living. And that's why one morning, her heart just sank and broke when she awoke and noticed that the wooden pallet where, where Christina always slept on was empty, made up, and her bags were packed and gone. She nearly panicked. She packed up immediately, collected all the money that she could, and ran after her daughter. She went towards the bus station. Along the way, she stopped by a drugstore, went into the photograph booth, and took pictures of herself. She spent quite a lot of money on black and white pictures of herself. And then with her purse full of pictures of herself, and the rest of her money, she took the first 
Das do Rio de Janeiro. Maria knew that Christina had no way of earning money. She also knew that her daughter would be very stubborn to just give up in a few days. And she knew that when she was out of option, a person would do things that before were unthinkable. Doing this, when Maria reached the city, she started combing all the bars, all the hotels, all the nightclubs and the streets where street walkers and prostitutes go. She went to them all, here and there, and at each place where she could, she would stick a picture of herself there. Tacked to the bathroom mirror, pinned to a hotel bulletin board, or fastened to the corner of a phone booth. Behind each photo, she left a message. It wasn't long before her money and her photos ran out. And Maria wept as she had to board the bus for the long journey back to her tiny village. It was a few weeks later that young Christina was walking down the stairs of a certain hotel. Her young face was now tired. Her youthful eyes were no more but showed signs of pain, of fear. Her laughter was broken. Her dream was now a nightmare. A thousand times she wished she could trade those plush beds for her wooden pallet and tin mattress in her village. And yet, her little village was in so many ways too far away. That day as she descended to the last step on that staircase, her eyes chanced upon a familiar face. She looked again. She could hardly believe her eyes. There in the lobby mirror was the face of her mother looking straight at her. She was thinking, what could my mother be doing in a God-forsaken place like this? She quickly crossed that room and pulled out for herself that tiny photograph. And written at the back was this compelling message from her mother. Whatever you have done, whatever you have become, it doesn't matter. Please come home. And she did. Advent for us and the Christmas story for us is the same. Isaiah says, all we like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. 
The story of Advent is God coming for us. We thought that He had forsaken us, we thought that He has forgotten us, but no, God comes for us. And God comes providing for us a human face we can recognize and understand. And God comes and paid the price on the cross so that He can say to us, whatever you have done, whatever you have become, it doesn't matter. The price has been paid. Come home. And we can come home to the Lord through Jesus Christ. So this Advent season, some of us identify with Maria and this message is for us. And for some of us, it is also a challenge for us because there must be many Marias that we know of that we can pray for and we can help them on their journey to Advent. Let us close in prayer. Let us pray. This morning as we come together, I want to pray for the Christinas in our midst. You know who you are. As is related in the prophet Isaiah, we are like sheep that have gone astray. Each one of us has turned to his own way. And now the message of Advent is that Christ has come and Christ has opened the way for us to return to the Father. And this morning, where you are, you may be online, you may be in person in our sanctuary, and you know the message of Advent, and that invitation to prepare the way of the Lord, to open our hearts to Him, and to invite Him as our personal Lord and Saviour, and say, Lord, I want to come home. Come, Lord Jesus, into my heart as Saviour, as Lord. I want to turn around and repent. And that is the prayer of your heart where you are. Would you just raise your hand? I'd like to pray with you. And in our midst, would you just raise your hand and I'll pray with you. Any? Yeah, just raise your hand. Yes, sister, I see your hand. Yes, I see your hand. Anyone else? Yes, I see your hand. I see your hand. Lord Jesus, you see the hands of these people as we come before you. We know that we have been wayward. We, like sheep, have gone our own way. And you came for us in Jesus Christ. And now we open ourselves to you and say, Lord Jesus, come. Come into our lives. Be our Savior, our Lord. And this morning too, let us remember that we may have friends who are Christinas. We know that they have been wayward and stubborn and resistant. And we want to name them before the Lord and we want to say, Lord, I have Christinas that I know of. I want to pray for them. I want to bring them to Alpha. I want to bring them to our special Christmas services and events so that they have a chance to make Advent real in their hearts. You have a Christina in mind 
I'd like to invite you to raise your hand as you say, Lord, remember this Christina of mine, and I want to name that person in my heart to you, and I want to take that journey with Christina to Advent. You have that Christina in mind, you just raise your hand. We want to pray for these Christinas. Anyone, just raise your hand, your Christinas in your heart. Lord Jesus, we just bring the Christinas in our lives before you. We know that they, in their heart of hearts, have been searching. Even though they show a stubborn front, even though they show such resistance against your Holy Spirit, but you love them, you have also your prevenient grace and mercy upon them of preserving them all this time, even though they have their backs on you. And we want to journey with these Christinas so that they too may experience the advent of Christ in their hearts. We pray and commit all these to you. In Jesus' name, Amen.